0: righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray. Speak, Lord, for we, your servants, are listening. Open us, Lord, to hear your word, to receive it in our ears, in our hearts, in our lives, that we may follow you. Speak, Lord. We are listening. Amen. Have have you ever been talking with someone and and maybe they're in a facing a problem or a a challenge, and you begin to offer them some wisdom, some advice. and, And as you do it, as you're sharing this wisdom with them, you realize that the words are coming out of your mouth, but they're really meant for your ears. Like you're 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 talking to someone else, and you may be helping them, but you're like saying the exact thing that you need to hear. Has that ever happened to you? Um, that, that's I think a little bit of what today is about. Let, let me let, let me let you in on another little secret. Sometimes uh, you you all are, are gracious, and and sometimes someone will come up and 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 share with me how. Uh, Touching a a sermon was, or or it was meaningful, and it was like I was speaking directly to you, and I, I hope that happens to you every once in a while. But but here's the secret: I I I did pretty good listening to the flight attendants on the airplane because. I'm really good at putting the oxygen mouth mask on my own self first, because what what I do when I preach each week is I 'm trying to help you and I 'm trying to unlock the scripture for you and share with you. but the really the deeper truth is I'm really just curious myself, and so what comes out of me in my sermons is what I think God is trying to unlock in me through the week as i 'm preparing so so you're just kind of getting a front row seat into my own head. And so I love it when you feel like it speaks directly to you because that to me is further evidence that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, unites us. And it connects us. He connects us. And there's there's further evidence that, man, the Word of God still speaks. And I share all of that because as we unpack and uncover a little bit of this beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, right? It's, it's often known as the Beatitudes. And, and maybe you've heard, I, I'm sure I've even preached from time to time that one way to understand the Beatitudes is that these are the B-attitudes, right? Or maybe you've heard that. that that's an easy colloquium. And, and I'm, I'm here to tell you that one of the things that I learned this week in my study and in my uncovering is that that's dead wrong, <laughs> You've been dead wrong. It's great. <laughs> that, that these teachings of Jesus are, are not necessarily things for you and for me. That the beatitudes, the things that Jesus begins to, to teach us on the Sermon on the Mount are really not the scriptures of descriptions of you as much as they are telling truths about who Jesus is. Right? The Beatitudes are all about Jesus. They're all about who Jesus is and what Jesus does and what he experiences and what he accomplishes. The the Gospel of Matthew is... uh, uh, one of our four Gospels, right? Have you ever wondered why we have four Gospels, four different books that all tell about the story of Jesus? And, and if you read them, and there's, there's plenty of, uh, of articles, and there's plenty of books and all things about comparing and contrasting the different Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and so some of the questions are, are, why do we have four different ones? What, what, that doesn't make sense, right? And the reality is that each of the four Gospels... Come to Jesus and, and paint a picture of Jesus and describe the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection of Jesus from four different lenses, from four different angles, right that they're not photographs of Jesus, they're portraits, and they invite you in to emphasize different elements of who He is and, and also the, the crowd or the, the people to which the, the gospel writers were focused. And so Matthew is often understood to be the most Jewish of the four gospels. That it's, in fact, written to a, the insider group of the Hebrew people. That, that Jesus in, in, in Matthew's gospel has different elements of who he is and how he lives and how he teaches and the way he teaches and the words he uses that, that resonate more with the Jewish crowd. And some of the other Gospels are more Hellenistic, they're more Greek, they're more Gentile-focused. They explain things that the Jewish community would just understand, right? And so one of the things about Jesus in Matthew is that he really echoes and is superimposed upon the story of Moses, in other words, that, that what Moses did in the books of Exodus for the Hebrew people is what Jesus does for the world, right? right? How many years were the Israelites in the wilderness? Do you remember? Forty. How many days was Jesus in the wilderness when he was tempted? Forty. Right. That, that Moses, his whole work and his whole effort was to, to free Israel from slavery. They, they travel through the wilderness, but ultimately they come to the promised land. Is that not our life in Jesus? That his whole purpose and his whole point is to free you from slavery, to sin, death, and the devil. And in this world, who hasn't been in the wilderness, Right? Wandering, confused, lost. Things don't make sense. And yet, because of who Jesus is, the promise is one day you will cross over into where? The promised land. Right, And so one of the, the big moments in, uh, in the, the life of Moses and the life of Israel was, was when Moses received the Ten Commandments. right. The teachings; those are what they're called in the Old Testament and in the Hebrew circles. They were the teaching, the ten words of God, and they 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 were fundamental. They were pivotal. Do you remember where Moses received them? On a mountain, Mount Sinai, the mountain of the Lord. And so, as Jesus is beginning his ministry, as he is starting to share his teaching, where does he go? The Sermon on the Mount. Because geography is theological and theology is geographical. In fact, in, we have in uh, the book of Isaiah, oh, I just lost Matthew. Isaiah 2 says this. It shall come to pass in the latter days, the latter days are the days of the Messiah, when the Messiah comes, in those days, that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up from the hills, and the nations shall flow to it. You see, what God is doing through Moses is establishing that the teaching of God, Is, is what draws people to the Lord. And so Jesus comes to the Sermon on the Mount and he comes up and he is saying, I am the Messiah. The latter days are now here. This is the teaching of God and it is the highest mountain and it is the highest teaching. There's power in who Jesus is and what he does. The Beatitudes aren't about what we do, it's about who Jesus is. The word Beatitude comes from the Latin word that that we have for blessing. That's where that word comes from, And, and we have these descriptions. Blessed is the one, the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecuted. First and foremost, this is who we see in Jesus. And it is most evidently displayed for us when he hangs on the cross. Isn't it? I don't know, for, for you, and I know for me maybe, that, that as you read these words and these various parts of the Beatitudes, it, it's, it's so difficult to, to not think about how I'm called to live and what I'm called to do. But, but I want you to, to, as I read these again, I want you to think of Jesus as he's hanging on the cross and think about what he's enduring, what he's experiencing, about what life has thrown at him. And how Jesus embodies these traits. Blessed is the poor in spirit, the one who's at the end of his rope. Blessed is the one who mourns, who's broken, who's been betrayed, who's been left alone. Blessed are the meek, right? Meek's a a word we don't use very often. Sometimes we think about meek as a a doormat, right? You know, people that are a doormat, they let people walk all over them. Meek is is a better understanding of what's connected to our our, uh, Micah reading from earlier, that it's about walking humbly with God. Meekness is a a trait because it it recognizes that that you, you don't need value and worth to come from others because you know who you are and you know what you do and you know what you got. Not in a haunty way, but in a humble way. I mean, isn't that the picture of Jesus? Humble. He didn't belittle himself. He just didn't need you or anybody else to make him feel better about himself because he knew who he was. Do you know who you are? Meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the peacemakers. Who is Jesus but the one who makes peace for you? Jesus on the cross, the greatest peacemaker of all. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. This this is Jesus, isn't it? This is him on the cross. This is is how God works. This is what God is doing at the the beginning as he's teaching the the great teaching, the the teaching that has come to the highest mountain, that, that all the world will be drawn to him. And the teaching is all about Jesus on the cross for you. You see, the the Beatitudes, these blessings, these gifts are are, are the gifts that that Jesus embodies and he brings that that gives you what you can't give for yourself. Lord, I need you. Because you and I can't. We can't. We can't. But he already has. And he always does. Blessed. That's the word that's repeated over and over and over again. Blessed. Blessing. What's a blessing to you? A blessing is is a gift, it's a, a favor bestowed upon you it's not something you do yourself it's something that's given to you by someone else right when when you utter that beautiful expression of have a blessed day right That that, that doesn't mean, and that's not a salutation that says, go and do good stuff for yourself. No, that that means go and be receptive to the goodness that will come to you. But but as we sang a little bit ago, what what if his blessings come in raindrops? What, What if those blessings are... Sleepless nights. What if those blessings are unwanted gifts? You ever get an unwanted gift? Gee, thanks. And sometimes the Lord gives us unwanted gifts, unwanted circumstances. Unwanted situations, unwanted people in your life. Unwanted burdens that you have to carry. Unwanted diagnosis. What, what, what if we come to understand that Have a blessed day. Have a have a blessed day is about understanding that all the things that you get, the good stuff and and most especially the bad stuff, man, that the real lesson there is, man, God God didn't promise us easy. He doesn't give you what you want. the things we experience the things we receive man i don't want half of them but god uses them and god orients my mind through the spirit that it's in the adversity of life that i grow it's the friction that helps you get ahead, isn't it? I mean, that's my experience. What are the blessings? Well, the, the beatitudes are are the blessings that that God gives you through Jesus on the cross. He fulfills them perfectly. He receives them beautifully. And he walks with them. So that you and I can learn to walk with him too. I'm going to close with reading again the Beatitudes. This is from the message version. And maybe these words will resonate a little bit more clearly. And maybe you'll still hear about how you're called to live, but I want you to specifically ponder Jesus on the cross as I read these words to you. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those were apprenticed to him, the committed Climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Do you hear Jesus? You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Oh, come Lord Jesus. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Do you hear Jesus? You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you or discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten in to this kind of trouble. Do you hear Jesus on the cross? This is who Jesus is. This is how he lived. This is what God did through him perfectly. Now go and live it out imperfectly, but keep striving. Get into godly trouble. It makes him happy. In the name of Christ, amen.